Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, September 13th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. Now, you promised us last week that the pub would be open uh, on Labor Day, you know, last week. Is it, did it open, and has it been open since, or are they still having trouble with COVID? The pub is back open. I will be heading to the pub later today. <laughs> Everybody has left my house for the next three days, so it could be trouble. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I just want to assure our listeners that Alex always goes to the pub after we record and not before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Alex, what's been going on? Because I can tell you right now that I think a lot of our listeners would love to go to the pub because this has been a killer time, right, for deadlines. Do you want to just walk us through what's been happening and what, what we have to look forward to in terms of top school deadlines? Yeah, I mean, last week, well, which is obviously this week as we're recording, was it was a heavy week with the big hitters like Harvard, Stanford and Wharton with their round one deadlines. So best of luck to everybody that were, were, was targeting those schools in round one and were, were able to get their their applications in. Um, this upcoming week, we have other, um, you know, several other um, top schools also have their round one deadlines. Kellogg and Stern are on Wednesday, actually along with Ashesay Paris. Yale is on Tuesday, and Judge, Cambridge Judge on Monday. So we're, we are really starting to move into the thick of round one season, but it will extend for s- several weeks. So it'll be a few more weeks before we say Sloan's round one deadline. Right. They're always, they always sit out there at the end of the round one timeline, which is, I think, smart on their part. Um, but yeah, so busy time. Yeah. Over on the website, you know, I've seen, you know, it's great. People are starting to post to the wires a bit, you know, indicating they've applied places, stuff like that. And then we've, um, we've started to ramp up our coverage on admissions director Q&As. I know I've sat down with a number of top schools to record episodes for the podcast, but then for a lot of other schools, we're also just doing kind of um, content, so written pieces. So we ran a piece, uh, two pieces last week, one with um, the director of admissions from Cambridge Judge and the other with uh, director of admissions from IMD in Switzerland. So a couple of European, top European business schools that we covered last week. Um, And yeah, Alex, I thought this might actually be a good moment to just talk a little bit about the website and, and how you know, we're kind of moving from the time when people use ApplyWire to share their profiles and get feedback into a time when candidates start tapping into LiveWire. So do you want to just talk a little bit about how, like, what, what are they supposed to be doing with LiveWire? Because I know not everyone's, you know, a veteran here. Hopefully people aren't all applying for the second time around and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, LiveWire is, is obviously our most popular tool. Um, and it gives a chance for students to, well, students, candidates, applicants to sort of update their status in terms of where they're applying, which is what they're doing um, this time of year. But once they start getting decisions from schools, so interview invites, for example, sharing their, their, their new status, um, and then obviously the final decisions and so forth, so that um, it really brings a sense of community amongst the applicants and they sort of share their wins and losses support each other, provide feedback, what are you hearing, what are they hearing, and so on and so forth. So I suppose we, we do become part of the sort of, sort of rumor mill, as it were. But I find it super interesting. Um, we, we obviously keep up to date with the, with the conversations every day. Um, it's got some gamification involved in terms of liking comments and posts and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I, I find it fascinating. This, this is a, a great time of year, Graham, because what you see is the new 
um, cohort, if you want to call it that, cohort of candidates sort of gelling as a community, as it were, as, as, as they share their experiences. Yeah, I love to see, you know, someone post like, oh, I just got an interview invite at this school and people chime in with a comment saying congrats or they might ask a question like, what was your timeline? When did you submit? And, you know, people compare notes. I think a little bit of Livewire is out there to help keep schools honest or, or transparent, you know, so we can sort of see, you know, what's happening, um, which is great. And I also want to mention, you notice there's like a blue check mark by your name and my name when we post. Um, I'm a little jealous because we don't get the stars. Do you want to talk about the stars that some of our users have? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we reward, I shouldn't say we reward, the community rewards folks for, for their contributions, right? So one, two or three stars, depending on how many likes you get. Um, obviously, I've got two or three hundred more likes than you, Graham, because I'm a more <laughs> likable chap. Um, so we, we have all that going. And we're going to throw in some new features um, over the next several weeks. So keep an eye out for that, Graham. I won't, I won't sort of um, let, you know, tell the audience exactly what those new features will be because I'm not entirely sure we know them all yet. But <laughs> new features are coming and I, hopefully that'll just make it a little bit more um, engaging. Yeah, I think I just heard our development team spill their coffee. You know, yeah. But, but yeah, we're <laughs> um, yeah we have some really cool features that we're going to be rolling out and and a lot of new stuff coming to the site. But for now, um, the thing you mentioned, I just want to underline is that yeah, if you post a comment and someone hits the like button on it, you accrue a like, and and as you accrue likes, you can earn stars. And so yeah. you'll see some people on the site who've been on the site for a while. Maybe they applied last year and are currently in school or something, a lot of them have two or three stars because they've accrued a lot of likes for the helpful comments that they've contributed over time. So that's how that all works. I just thought it'd be good to have a little primer um, since I know people are, some or many of us listening are you know kind of new to this process, right? So that's the, um, that's the update there. I did want to remind everyone we've got um, some events coming up. Obviously, uh, this Wednesday, we've got a career switching webinar that we're doing with uh, the Terry School at Georgia just all about how to use an MBA to switch careers. Um, you can sign up for that on our website. We also have the essay um, events coming up um, later in September, three subsequent Wednesdays, so the 22nd, 29th, and then actually the 6th of October. And we're going to sit down, each of those events will sit down with five different admissions um, directors from, from different schools and pepper them with questions about how to approach their essays. This is key, sort of you know must-see TV or must-tune-in stuff if you're going to be applying to any of these schools in, you know, the subsequent rounds. And so, you know, we've got a whole bunch of schools. I've listed them every week um, running here. So I'm just going to tell you it's 15 schools and it's basically um, 15 of the world's best business schools, including the likes of Stanford and LBS and Chicago, Columbia. There are many more that I could list. So sign up for that. You can go to bit.ly forward slash essay event series. Um, those are just always a lot of fun. So please sign up. And um, yeah, Alex, I'm looking forward to that. This is We're becoming veterans at running these events. A lot of fun. I like the way you mentioned Stanford first, because I think this might be the first time you've gotten Stanford to participate. Is that right, Graham? Yeah, they, uh, they're, they're new to this. Yeah. We've had Wharton and Chicago and you know all the, basically every top school, but Stanford, this is a first. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. It's actually going to be Kirsten Moss, yeah. who's their dean of admissions. So she's terrific, and it'll be a lot of fun to connect with her. Um, Alex, we'll continue to do Clubhouse every Thursday as long as our spouses allow us to. It's th Thursday at, uh, well, it's in the evening our time, but it's at noon Eastern. Um, and it's a great way for us to, you know, hang out with podcast listeners and anyone in the Clubhouse community who's applying to business school. I love doing them. And we've, we've just had a great time every, every Thursday. 
um, connecting with people and answering their questions. Fantastic. Can't wait. Well, so it's in a couple of hours, Graham, Yeah. because obviously we're recording this on Thursday, which always confuses <laughs> me when you start talking about this. I know. I try to play it straight, like, you know, because everyone, you know, that comes out Monday, but then, yeah, it is a little confusing. Um, so if anyone wants to reach out to Alex or, or, or myself, you can just um, send an email to info at clearedmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. Um, you've got questions, you know, we may have answers or we'll at least pretend to, to have answers. So send us a note if you want. Um, Alex, without further ado, though, you've picked out three entries from ApplyWire for us to discuss this week. And so I say we move right along if you're ready. Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So this is a ApplyWire entry. The candidate wants to start school next fall and they've got seven schools on the target list. Those schools are Carnegie Mellon, Harvard, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, Wharton, and UT Austin. And this person's been um, an Army officer uh, pre-MBA career, and they want to get into consulting after business school. And then actually maybe in the longer term, um, they're sort of interested in operations and logistics. Okay, So in the short term, they have Accenture, Bain, BCG, um, PwC, and McKinsey on the target list. The GRE score is a 3.25. The GPA is a 3.1, uh, which they received uh, at one of the service academies, and they did in response to a query that I made. They said that that put them in the top third of their class, so not too much grade inflation in the service academies. Uh, and they've got five years of experience. Alex, I thought it'd be helpful for you to you know, give us your take on this candidate, but also maybe walk us through some of the work experience, which I know you'd had some dialogue with this candidate and, and you know, reviewed that, but maybe take us through. Yeah, but let me ask you a quick question, Graham. You, you say the 3-1 puts them in the top third uh, from, from, from the, the Services Academy. In, a, in, a, in another university that does have grade inflation, what would a top third um, um, GPA look like, do you think? Um, scarily enough, I think I've actually seen, I'm not going to name the school because it's not really fun to pick on these schools, but I, I think there are some schools out there where like a 3-5 would be top third, yeah, right? Where literally there's just so many people with three, five and above that. Yeah. So, so there is, yeah, the service academies are known for being pretty grueling, but, but again, I, yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you think about that GPA and, and their candidacy overall and some of the work experience. I mean, I do think that is a challenge, right? So we know that service academies typically don't have the level of grade inflation that, that other um, universities in, 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 in the US um, have, and, and other parts of the world too. The UK has got, gotten ridiculous with grade inflation too, I think. Um, but, you know, it's still, you know, you've got a 3-1 GPA, it's significantly below average, and, and that's going to cause a particular, you know, it's going to stand out until, you know, the, the admissions readers sort of uncover some more of the nuance, i.e. its service academy and so on and so forth. Um, so that'll be a challenge. Um, the GRE, to, to, to sort of complement that, 325 is actually pretty decent. Um, probably just slightly below average of the very, very, very top schools, but well within range and certainly um, at or above average for, for, for mo you know, most of the top schools. Um, and a strong um, quant score. They've also gone on, so they've got a 168 on the quant, so I think that's pretty strong. Yeah. They've also gone on, or they're currently completing HBS core. So in my mind, they're, they're doing everything in the right fashion, right? Um, they can't change their GPA. That's the, the, the potential um, outlier here for, for this candidate's overall um, profile. 
but but again, their their GRE is actually pretty good. The the quant size very good, and they they're doing this this additional coursework. So, hopefully, it doesn't sort of drag them back, as it were, too terribly much. Because quite honestly, Graham, everything else about this candidate looks superb. Um, it it looks like they've had really strong military experience. They've also done some entrepreneurial stuff along the way. Um, developing apps and so forth. It looks like they've done some real nice volunteer work. And it looks like their, whilst their post-MBA goals are certainly um, reasonably traditional for a service, um, for a military candidate, you can't, you can't knock them either, right? Going to consulting for a couple of years and then sort of supply chain and, and operations and so forth. So I would say, Graham, if they can overcome this 3-1, which hopefully that they can, um, th- this does look like a, a, a very strong candidate. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's the main thing is the academic piece. And it really only, I mean, I, you know, they have a broad range of schools. So I think for some of their schools, their academics are going to be perfectly fine and they should be able to get into them. And I think at, at the top end, though, yeah, they might face a steeper challenge. But I hope that the work experience, which, you know, they mentioned that they're kind of top ranked among their peers in the army. They've had experience working with special forces overseas. So there's a lot potentially to like, hopefully some really interesting stories to share in the essays. And I like the career plan consulting and then into kind of operations and logistics related work. So I I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of attributes. And I, and I know they've also networked with veterans clubs at a lot of the schools and, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. As you said, they took HBS core. So it seems, it feels to me like this is, they've dotted all their I's and have crossed their T's. Yeah. I mean, it it feels to me, Graham, what one, they've, they've done very well in the service academy, uh, in in the services, I'm sorry, post-service academy. Yeah. I mean, they also, the three, one is an engineering degree. So, so that adds another layer to that. But since since the, their their academy experience, they've done everything right. That hence my remark. Wow, check 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 check. The more I read, the more it was. You know, you were checking off absolutely everything. I mean, great experience. Yeah. Great volunteer experience. Great uh, or realistic, plausible, and and in terms of the goals and so on and so forth. And doing a little bit of sort of potential transcript repair with HBS Core. Yeah, I I think and and reaching out to all 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 the clubs and so on and so forth. It just seems to me they say they've they've listened to this podcast for over a year. I might actually even believe that they've at least listened to a couple of shows because it sounds <laughs> like they're doing what we would prescribe yeah. as the right thing. I'm not saying necessarily everybody always agrees with us, but. Um, yeah, check, check, check for, for everything that they've done. Very good. Yeah, I was going to say the only thing against them is that they've been listening to this show for over a year. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like the other thing, just you know, before we move on, they did say any last minute sanity checks. And I would say no, I think they've done what they need to do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, hopefully the materials that they've crafted are strong and, and all that. But I, yeah, I feel like they have a great spread of schools. I, I would be shocked if this person doesn't walk out with, you know, a handful of options from among the group that they're applying to. So I think they're going to land on their feet and, you know, best of luck to them and appreciate that they've tuned in and, and had nice words to say about the show. 
Um, but yeah, Alex, I did want to ask you one thing. So you mentioned that grade inflation is increasing in the UK as well. Does that mean that like if you were to go back to uni today, you would actually do better than you did before or, or no? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But didn't you study something technical? I feel like... No, you just think that because I sound super smart. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another Flywire entry. Uh, this candidate's actually um, I'm noticing they're not going to start school, it looks like, until 23. Um, so they've got a little bit of time. Um, they've got nine schools currently on the target list, and those schools include Cambridge, HBS, Imperial, INSEAD, LBS, NYU, Oxford, Wharton, and Yale. And this person is currently a postdoctoral research scientist. And after business school, they're thinking maybe consulting, and they've got uh, Bain, BCG, Deloitte, McKinsey, and LEK on the target list. Their GPA was a 3-3. Um, it actually was in the UK at a top five UK university where they received a second class honors, which they converted to be around a 3-3. Um, they also have been working for about three and a half years. They're in Belgium now. Um, they'd love to land in the UK, specifically London or on the east coast of the US. And they mentioned that they are a 30-year-old female, dual Swedish, British national. Um, and they did an undergrad in biological sciences but they also have a PhD in immunology um, where they did quite well. And they've been working as a, as I said, a postdoctoral research scientist in Belgium where they lead a team investigating, you know, immune system stuff and organ regeneration. So their reason for doing the MBA though is that they want to transition away from the lab and bring cutting edge therapies from academia to market. So they want the business side of it um, they went on and, and mentioned some other things. I should include the fact that they have not yet taken the GMAT, but plan to take it and are aiming for something north of 690. Um, Alex, what do you make of this? Because this is a non-traditional candidate, you know, older from a non-traditional field. Um, yeah, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I love this candidate. I mean, please get that 690 <laughs> plus GMAT. Push it hard, as hard as they can. Um, get it into the 700s, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, their challenge is going to be to really show that they, 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 they have the sort of the teamwork experience, the leadership skills and so on and so forth, um, or at least the aptitude for that, so that when they do transition into the sort of corporate setting, they're not going to be the nerd doing the research, but they're going to be the, the person that's developing strategy, right? That's that, And I think that's why they're going to business school, is to help create that sort of um, framework of thinking a little bit more broadly. But I think it's important for this person to show, um, based on their experiences to date, that they have the aptitude for doing that. And I think that they, they've articulated in a couple of the comments that they've gotten some great sort of leadership experience, leading other sort of postdoctoral students or whatever it might be, or leading research. So, so I, don't, I, I, I don't think this is going to be an issue for this candidate. What I'm trying to articulate is for these types of candidates, it's really important to highlight that they are going to go to business school, they're going to be a real contributor, they're going to hit the ground running in business school and not be just the, the nerd that sits in the corner and doesn't contribute um, and so on and so forth. I don't think that's going to be the case. I also love the fact, 
I mean, if they apply to, to a US, the top US programs, Graham, they're going to be non-traditional on so many different aspects that they're going to get check marks all over the place and the schools are going to want to want to admit them just to make sure that they execute on their applications effectively so that they can admit them. Um, so, I, I mean, I could keep going on and on, but I, I do think there's a lot to like. I, I didn't realise that they were applying in another year. When they said they're going to take the GMAT in December, I kind of assumed that meant they were applying in round two. So I might have misunderstood that. I do see that they've signalled an intake year of 2023. I would encourage them, if they can, to do it sooner than later. Um, because, again, they're, they're, they're getting a little bit older on the spectrum, as it were. That in of itself isn't necessarily a problem, but they're going to have to really show how getting the MBA now at this point in their career makes perfect sense. The sooner they do that, the better, I think, Graham. Yeah, agreed. I think, um, so there are a couple of things. I, I agree with you, first of all, this is a really interesting candidate and working in a field that you know is obviously vital and in, of increasing import and relevance in, in this current you know p- pandemic era. Uh, what I would say is there are a few kind of admissions lessons here that I want to underline. The first is that, you know, like you were saying, the job of a non-traditional candidate is really to show that they fit in as opposed to stand out because they they already stand out. Like they don't need to yeah. worry about that. So showing, you know, that they fit in. I also think, um, like you say, she falls into this maybe a little bit older, so needs to show that she's going to be involved and, you know, that this isn't just a I'm coming to get the degree and get out, but that she's got plans to be involved in clubs and a real active um, contributor that's something that I would say to any slightly older candidate. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say is that, you know, when you have, a, a, you know, you already have a, a PhD, a undergrad PhD, you know, there's always this fear of, is this person, you know, been thrust out into the real world working in a lab now saying, oh, I liked being a student better. And so they're just going to get an MBA to be a, become kind of a degree collector that we've, we've talked about that before on the show. So again, all these things point to the same effort that needs to be made to show that you know what you want out of the degree, you're going to be really involved, you're excited about it, and that you have a career plan where the MBA plays a vital role. And I think she can easily do all that. I'm not concerned at all. I also agree with you. Like if she gets the test done in December and could throw in a, an application to maybe just a, maybe a couple of her sort of top choice schools, that would be worth it because maybe she could start this whole process earlier um, and, you know, have one more year of kind of bringing really interesting um, academic kind of tech, tech you know, in, in the kind of pharma or, or healthcare space to market rather than another year in the lab, right? So, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, if it's possible, apply ASAP. But obviously, if she waits until next season, that's fine, too. But there's a ton to like here. And, and I want to go back to something you said, which is the admissions reader is going to pick up her file and say, wow, like half Swedish, half British, living in Belgium, all, all these like cool, um, you know, kind of non-traditional elements to the profile. So they're going to want to admit this person based on her work experience and the field she's in and her personal background. So she's just got to, you know, tick the box and make sure that the materials are done in a way that shows she fits in. Um, so I, yeah, I, I love this candidacy, though. I'm really glad that you picked it. <laughs> And, and quite frankly, as again, she's working in a field that's got to be fundamentally important to, 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 to you know, the future, as it, as it were, right? So uh, there are a few fields that are like that right now in, in the world in which we live. So let, let's hope that she does make that transition. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And I do want to thank her for 
listening uh, to the podcast. I think somewhere in her comments, she did say, you know, that she recently found the podcast and that it's been a great help navigating all things MBA related. So we're really appreciative that um, we've been able to lend a hand and that she shared that with us. Um, Alex, yeah, so thanks to her for sharing and let, let's move on and, and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. So this is a candidate who wants to start business school in the fall of 22. Um, so they're applying right now. They've got five schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and Wharton. Uh, they have a pre-MBA career that's been, um, they've actually worked in a few different fields. So they worked in kind of um, a derivatives role with a bank. Then they joined a kind of tech company where they were doing finance within the tech company. And then they joined, most recently, a fast-growing fintech startup, um, which they say is a unicorn. Um, and post-MBA, they want to stay in this kind of tech and entrepreneurship field. They actually may want to start their own company. Uh, GMAT score, 760. GPA is a 3.67, and they earn that GPA in undergraduate business at the leading business school in Canada. Uh, and they were, I guess, graduated in the top 5% of their class with that 3.67, because as we know, Canada does not have much in the way of great inflation. They've been working for four years, so they've had those three roles over the course of four years, but a lot of promotions and accolades. And the last thing I'll share, Alex, is that they're located in San Francisco, um, but they say that they are an Asian male uh, of Chinese descent. They were born in Germany, lived in Shanghai, but then grew up in Canada where they went to undergrad and now living in San Francisco. So um, kind of all over the map. But what do you make of this candidate? Because there's a lot going on and a lot of kind of interesting things. But I'm particularly interested in what you think of their career to date. Because four years, three jobs. What, what does that say to you, if anything? Is it all good? Or what do you make of this candidate? I think it's all good, Graham. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, like you say, the, the, the candidate got, got a, a very strong undergraduate degree, probably got heavily recruited going out of that degree into, you know, a field that's obviously at the top of the, at the, top of the chain in terms of where you go as a, as a young undergrad um, or, or as a young graduate going into investment banking. Then, then you skip out of that after your analyst program, whatever it's called, to actually work in industry. I do like that transition when I see that oftentimes with candidates. And then, you know, moved on again, as long as we're, we're seeing forward progression, but also, you know, that through the application, they're going to explain, you know, the, the transitions, that's going to be important. Um, yeah, I think, I, as I was reading this profile, Graham, I was saying, yes, absolutely, there's a lot to like um, here also. I mean, I feel pretty bad, Graham. I mean, I've picked, I think, this week, three super interesting um, candidates. Um, so <laughs> not as not not as much diversity in terms of um, competitiveness at, at, across across the field, but it does beg the question, Graham. And I know I'm sidetracking a little bit, but imagine if you were at Wharton on your learning team, and these three candidates were your um, classmates on your learning team. I think you, you you would say that you've you've got a pretty good deal, wouldn't you? Yeah, the uh, army guy, PhD in immunology, and then the kind of um, global citizen with kind of a huge finance and fintech background. Very interesting. I, I would take those three, yeah, for the learning team. <laughs> do you think Do you think they would take you, Graham? That's the question. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, you may not remember this, um, but last week we talked about a candidate who 
um, I think also had some, you know, was in Canada, right, and had also done a whole bunch of different jobs in a fairly short period of time. And I was, you know, I was kind of wondering, like, you know, it seems like this person probably was in their derivatives role at the bank for, I guess, at least a year, maybe two. And then they spent 18 months um, at the kind of tech company where they were working in, in finance, and they were promoted twice during that time. And then they've more recently moved on to this kind of unicorn fintech company. But I guess the only thing I was wondering is, you know, what what's the difference between last week and this week? Because last week, I remember we were kind of like, oh, this person kind of is bouncing around a lot. And so how do you, for me, I, I have some ideas, but what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you put me on the spot a little bit, Graham, because I'm a little older and, and my memory is never <laughs> as sharp as it should be at this at this stage. Um, but typically, um, the difference is, is going to be what is what is the story? What Make sure there's a cogent story behind each of the moves. And again, going back, back to that why, why did you make that transition? And quite frankly, one of the differences might well be in this case, I think this candidate articulated well, very succinctly, why they decided to make each of these moves. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the question will be, did they spend long enough in each of these situations um, to get something out of them and so on and so forth? Um, or are they just a, a you know a job hopper looking for for for, for what 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 might land at some point and 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 they they start getting passionate about? But I do think this candidate, in the you know I know the apply wire entry isn't a great way to judge people, but did seem to articulate why they made these transitions pretty pretty effectively. Yeah, I think for me the thing that jumped out is that. You know, they've made the transitions, but they're very logical ones and they describe it well. Yeah. They're all kind of in the same field. You know, they've been working in finance, just in different domains, but it's all finance related. Um, yeah, it, it just feels like, and, and they stayed long enough, it seems, to, you know, make some headway um, within each uh, role. So I, I like it. They also, I, I, we didn't mention this, but they run a side venture where they employ six part-time individuals. Um, and so they're, they're like, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff. Um I just feel like, yeah, there's there's a ton to like here. I did want to mention, um, you know, I, I this person, I asked them, well, what, what's your nationality, right? Because they said Asian male Chinese, born in Germany, lived in Shanghai, grew up in Canada, and now they're in San Francisco. So I was like, well, where? what's your nationality? And they were like, oh, I'm uh, well, it's Canadian. Why does that matter? And, and you chimed in and said, you don't think it really matters. Um, but I was, the point I was trying to get at when I asked them that question is I was wondering if, you know, do the career goals become more feasible of someone, you know, um, basically starting a company, uh, paying off their loans, being able to stay in the West? Um, or if they're running back to China, does that change the kind of calculus here? So I was curious if you have a point of view on that, because I was thinking, oh, they're Canadian, that actually helps because they can always go to Canada and work um, or start their company or whatever they want to do. And maybe there's less of a worry about, you know, moving back to maybe a developing country or something. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, in, in retrospect, I kind of agree with your your um, point of view on on this. I wasn't really thinking along those lines. Um, I do think this this candidate has enough um, in terms of their overall profile that you know they don't necessarily just sit in one bucket or another. They they've got it sort of they they've navigated their own pathway quite well. Um, so so I wasn't as overly concerned in terms of which citizenship bucket they would ultimately fall into. But 
I, I do think your point is very well taken. They did ask an, another question. I mean, I would say as potentially they don't really they don't fall. I mean, in terms of um, China citizenship, they're not falling into that bucket. They they could ultimately, you know, they're not Asian American. They're obviously Canadian, but there is they they could still be part of an overrepresented bucket in in terms of just make sure they apply in the first round, which I imagine that they are anyway. Um, so so I, I, I wasn't think, really thinking beyond that. But they did ask this question about, is there any stigma attached to, to true entrepreneurs versus folks that want to leave their MBA and join a startup? And how does that impact the employment statistics of the schools? I've never really heard of that stigma. Uh, maybe it's a conversation on Reddit I haven't really followed, but um, I don't think it really matters, Graham, right? As long as the um, the ambition, the post-MBA goal is plausible um, based on what they've done. And, they, and what we neglected to say is in their second position out of college, they, they did super well, lots of accolades and promotions and management and so on and so forth, right? So um, as long as their goals, I think the, the key is your goal's got to be plausible, whether you want to join a startup or, or be an entrepreneur. The question is, being an entrepreneur, um, is your idea plausible? So don't just go along and say, oh, I just want to be an entrepreneur. It's like, well, if you want to be an, tell us a little bit about the, you know, what is it you're going to do um, as, as an entrepreneur? So if you want to be an entrepreneur, have that business plan, that business idea that you can talk passionately about without re revealing the secret source. Yeah, I would say two things here. Number one, I don't think schools care if candidates go off and start their own business. It's not as though um, that that impacts the salary figures or the placement figures because uh, any candidate that graduates from, let's say, Stanford or a top school, um, I say Stanford because I know they have a lot of people who go off and do startups, um, they're not counted in the overall stats because they're not job seeking, right? right? So these stats typically just count the job seekers. Obviously, if you're leaving and doing your own thing, then you're not really in the mix and they're not going to say, oh, you're making zero dollars right now because you're an entrepreneur starting your own business and so that we're going to factor that in and lower our average salary no it doesn't work that way so i'm not worried about that at all what i am worried about is i think if you're going to claim that you want to start something then you know you need to have like you say a good idea and maybe a little bit of an entrepreneurial track record and so in this candidate's case i feel like there's a lot that points to potential for success as an entrepreneur i mean you know, they, they actually did start something that they're running and it's employing six, you know, part-timers right now. So they, they have a track record, even the work they're doing now with this unicorn, a lot of exposure to, you know, kind of startup and, and that world. So I, I think it's believable. What I was less sold on is the idea that they presented in, um, in their post, which granted, I think they were just sort of dashing this off and it wasn't like they were going to write us their business plan and on a, and post it on a public website. But they just said that they want to start a, do a startup that focuses on using technology to tackle the loneliness epidemic. And so that's sort of ambiguous, right? So I would, I would want more. If I were the admissions reader, I'd want to know, like, what is that going to look like and what are they hoping to do? And um, yeah, because I wonder, you know, how do you use technology to, to, <laughs> um, to end the loneliness epidemic. Um, but yeah, I, I would just want to know more. I don't know if you agree. I think Mark Zuckerberg did that, didn't he? <laughs> he would like to think so, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, or did he make us all lonelier because we're just gazing at pictures of distant friends and seeing how awesome their lives are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only put our best life on Facebook. That's right. right? Yeah, you always post yeah. those pictures of the beach, and you know, I'm always like, wow. You know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's true. Uh, so I I just I would, but I think you know you don't need to spell out a full on business plan in your application, but I would want a bit more detail than yeah. what he's done. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. But again, I think. Today, Graham, we've had three folks that you would say absolutely fantastic to be on my learning team. Could not agree more. Yeah, these are all terrific candidates. I want to thank um, that person for posting and, and also just for emailing. They sent us a note as well about how they really enjoyed the podcast. So I'm happy to um, feature them. And, and yeah, all three candidates, great work as always, Alex, picking them out. Uh, we'll be back in. I, I only pick out folks that say they like the podcast. Yeah. So, so <laughs> hint, hint. folks, if you want to be picked out, there's, there's two criteria. You either have to say you like the podcast or there has to be three or less um, entries on that week. On the <laughs> Although I feel like there have been occasions where you pick ones that are not, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Last thing I will just say is I would love for, you know, if you enjoy listening to this show, just tell one person about the podcast. That's how this works. We'd love to have more folks tuning in. And uh, yeah, so just spread the word. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Alex, we'll see you in one week's time. Very good. Thanks a lot, Graham. Stay safe, everyone. 